Hi, welcome to an episode of Fill Me In. I'm Kirk Liddell. And I'm Carl Danielson. And we're about to engage you and ourselves in meaningful, delightful, informative conversation about the theater and music and music theater from two people. Two very different people. Yes. Um, I'm a black kid from the, the Midwest. And I'm a 59-year-old white dude from California. I love that you said black kid. What? <laughs> this is Fill Me In. Great. Welcome to another episode of Fill Me In. I'm Kirk. I'm Carl. And this is part two of shows we've done 180s on, which like, I hope I like really enjoyed our last talk about it. Not going to lie. Um, I've learned so much about Sound of Music that I don't think I ever would have learned. So thank you. <laughs> Do you know, I was just trying to find the Carrie Underwood. They're clearly they're hiding it from us. I've got to I've got to have a look. Do you know who was in that that we were speaking about? Sophie Ann Caruso was in that. Isn't that no. amazing? Yes, she must have been one of the little kids, Brigitte yeah. or something. Ten, wow. almost ten years ten ago. Years well, ago. I'm, I'm very curious to see it now. And okay, well. this will probably shock you, but I don't really know who Carrie Underwood is. It's not shocking because I know who you are. Yes. Um, <laughs> like I have brought because when I have brought in pop songs to my lessons. You have been like, I don't know this. I'm like, well, it's very popular. So I don't yeah. really know how to help you. <laughs> so you not knowing Carrie Underwood is not sh- surprising. But right. I actually think you would enjoy her music a lot. Um, is it kind of country? It is not. It's not kind of. It is country music. Um, she's won... talking about a prejudice right here. Yeah. <laughs> Woo! Okay. Well, and the, I, well, I will say that because I also don't really care for country music. I have learned since uh, meeting Ronnie that country music there is space for it but i initially was like i don't care for this um but carrie underwood was the first country singer to win american idol in 2004 five and so she won season four Uh and uh so she was like kind of my doorway to like i she was the only country artist i listened to for years um, but oh. she tells a really good story and is also vocally arguably one of the best vocalists to come out of that show easily. Okay. Wow. Um, so I would, yeah, I would say um, you would really enjoy her. There are some really good, there's some really good songs that like, even if you have students who want to learn, who like need a country song or need a pop song, right. she's right. a great person to start with, I think. Great. Okay. So. Great. Well, I, my mind is totally open to her Maria. I think the idea of a country voice in that part is closer to the original intent than yep. Julie Andrews, as much as I enjoy Julie Andrews. And, yeah. the, and the rumor is, is that she sounds wonderful, but she's not doing much as an actor. And so that is why people didn't like it very much, I think. But I haven't seen it, so I, I can't give you an opinion. A real well, opinion. you know, that is very... I, I just ran across... I'm, I doubt you will ever have heard of this show. It's called Philemon. No. So, the guys who wrote uh, The Fantastics, and I do, I do, I... I did just two. I do, I do. Not I do, I do, I do. And 110 in the Shade. Tom Jones, who's still alive, and Harvey Schmidt. Tom Jones, who's still very much alive at 90-something. Uh, very impressive. He's got a whole YouTube series where he breaks down his shows and talks about them. Yeah, it's 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 very impressive. They wrote a show together called Philemon, which okay. they had had the idea for when they were writing The Fantastics in the 60s. It got on in the 70s, and they filmed it for television. And it is so much the style that I was raised in terms of both straight theater and musical theater. It's very simple. It, there's no big, you know, indication of much of anything. And it's that, that kind of style is very close to my heart and I, and I like it. So that, that may not bother me as much. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. I cannot wait to hear your opinion. That's our homework. Like you'll if watch. I can find it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> oh yeah. You'll watch 
that and I'll watch the BBC version of Sound of Music so then I can stop saying to people that I've never seen it. I don't um, know if it's BBC, but it's uh, but oh, it's uh, a British. Uh, the British. Okay. Yeah. All right. I'm well, pretty sure that's on YouTube, which would have been where I saw it. Great, easy, easy. But but b- before I launch in, since I get four and six, and you have yeah, five. Yeah. Um, I want to challenge you, and this doesn't have to be your choice, clearly. But the two the two shows you talked about were things that you heard about and started with a negative um, feeling about. Have you ever had something and seen it and fully took it in and didn't like it? And changed your mind about it. So that's just a little seed to plant. It might not even be for this for this episode. And I will talk about an example, a shocking example that I know you know that I've gone through this journey with, uh, which was seeing the original Les Mis. Now, I won't say that I hated it, because um, hate is a very strong word. <laughs> I have seen things, well, even hate, I wouldn't, I have seen things that I went, okay, this has nothing for me and I'm glad it's in the world and Carrie Underwood singing country and all the other country music, but it's not for me, right? Sure, right. Um, And that doesn't, that isn't how I felt about um, Les Mis when I saw it. I did see it in previews when it was at the RSC and it wasn't ready. It was very long and they were figuring out and it made quite a a transition from the French original Uh, which I think was quite a few years before into this new version. Um, And the high points were there and it was great, but pretty much the original reviews. And I was also, so the the Royal Shakespeare Company uh, is in a complex called the Barbican, which is kind of similar to Lincoln Center in that you've got Juilliard, both the, the music school and the opera school and the drama school, and they're all kind of in one place. And then across the street is something else. Well, it's the same thing with the RSC. And I was studying uh, piano lessons with uh, actually a, a Canadian concert pianist uh, that was teaching at the Guildhall School of Music. So I was there all the time. And through him, I would meet other people on the faculty. And the, the, the consensus pretty much around was, Oh dear, what was Trevor Nunn thinking? This is a disaster. And the original reviews weren't very good and it was pretty in, in, impenetrable. Richard J. Alexander, I've, I've heard him interviewed on, on podcasts and I think he saw it, I assume later on in the run that I did and loved it and loved it just as much after it. I mean, it must've gotten some positive reviews or they would have, it isn't normal to transfer everything from the RSC to the West End. Yeah. Right, you got to have a reason, yeah, to do that. So it spoke to people, and the the wonderful moments, the the bring him home, the oh my god, what's the song where they're um, drinking? Drink to me, drink with me. Uh, huh? Even things like Master in the House, I could be in that theater. This would have been 1985 or eighty six. Uh, I'm in there right now in all their glory and the turntable and the whole thing, and it was lovely. But as a whole, it was very long and it didn't really hold together. Um, and so I saw that and, you know, whatever I went and left and went about my business. And then it became this international sensation and I was living in Los Angeles and I saw the LA sit down production and it was still kind of big and hard to follow the characters. My, my other prejudice I took with it is, and I, I'm curious to hear your, uh, reaction to this. The music is very French and it's also very pop music. Which is white, white, what you like about it? Oh, uh, interesting. Carl, finish your story and then I'll tell you my opinion on my miss. Well, I mean, it took me a while to appreciate. I mean, it's just different, right? It's a different way. Pop music is structured different. French music is structured different. It took me a, a while to educate my ear to understand that language. It's like a different dialect or really a different language altogether. And that that sit-down production in L.A., while it was fine, I didn't have any problem with it, it didn't even seem to be as good as what I remembered the high points at at the RSC. But then, several years later, the first national tour had come through. And as is still the case, that I just saw uh, my friend in the first national tour of Hadestown down in Philadelphia. They start from scratch. All those people get, which they did in L.A., I'm sure. They got their own rehearsal period. It was really well thought. 
thought out through. It's not just learn your part, shove you on, you get your put in and go, right? You yep, know, you get to create the robot the thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They, they were really at their game and it was a Sunday night and they were grateful for the job and the experience. And the thing had been focused down, truncated so that the storyline, I mean, not that it needs to, I don't care about short. If it's good, I'm with you for four hours. And if it's, and if I'm not clued in, 90 minutes is long for yeah. me. Uh-huh. Um, but that was my light bulb moment of, oh, I get this. And some of the characters that had felt some of the pop music, and it is pop music. It may be a pop opera or a pop or whatever. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> um, opera, yes. Some of that seemed trite to me when I first saw it. It seemed like we were taking this enormous novel, which I'm pretty sure by then I had read the whole thing. Oh, and okay. we were kind of, for lack of a better word, and even this sounds judgy, but but dumbing it down, you know, to 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 turn Eponine into a whiny teenage, you know, Olivia Newton-John singing about didn't quite sit to me with the magnitude of this story. I do not see that anymore. And a friend uh-huh. of mine was playing Eponine, and she walked down the stage and started singing, and the audience is going, well, "Who's that? What's that voice?" Mm-hmm. She wanted she wanted Helen Hayes for it. Um, and then all of a sudden, the music has all the depth you ever wanted it to. The lyrics are there. These people all know what they're doing. It's quite brilliant. And then I would, you know, I've played it for the last 40 years uh, and, and coached it. And yeah, I turned into a lady. <laughs> that is, I don't think I, I have not yet done a full 180 on Les Mis, but I have certainly changed my tune about it in the last five years. Well, you weren't drawn to it either. No. Yes and no. So here's here's why I have such a I have such a weird reaction to it. Um my high school did it. It was my senior musical. And I got cast in the ensemble as a mm-hmm. senior. And I was devastated. <laughs> like I get it. I got it like, all through your eyes. Yes. I was, I was broke. I was like, you're, I'm a senior. I was a senior auditioning for musical theater programs. And I essentially got cast in the ensemble. And I was like, what are you doing? The What are you supposed to be doing this? Are you making a huge life mistake? Because you can't even get a lead in your high school musical. Mind you, the year before I was riff as a junior. So like, it's not like I could like, I just got very dramatic as a senior and was like, oh my God, maybe you're making a colossal mistake and shouldn't be going into this as a profession. Fine. Well, so I have weird, so I have weird like baggage with Les Mis the Musical because I did it. So I almost didn't do it. I was like going to just not accept the role and take and not be in a musical my senior year, which would have been awful in, in hindsight. But that's kind of where my brain was. And I can now look back on it and acknowledge that, like, that was that was the precursor to learning what you do when you get no's and how you operate through it and, and how you still manage to, like, work really hard in a show when it's not the version that you wanted it to be or whatsoever, right? Like, because all of that has continued to happen in my career as an actor thus far. And I said, say career, and I'm all of 28, like simmer but i have had moments <laughs> i've had moments where i have felt like oh i am not where i'm supposed to be but i still have to show up every day and like really commit and prove like i did i still belong in this room it's not exactly the way i pictured it but i belong mm-hmm. here um did you have any features in the ensemble there's so many yeah i was i was grant hair that was like <laughs> carl right but you have to tell all of that to like an 18 year old wow. who is like trying to process and i was and my friends who were leads were all great do not get me wrong they were all great but not but like of the boys none of them were pursuing this full time and like they none of these none of them were going into school for musical theater so it felt like a slight to me as a performer and i was like what's happening like you find out later they're like kirk it just made more sense for us to put you there because you were going to be able to like rally the troops in a way that other people weren't and it was going to be like that was important and also this that like they were really like betting on me to keep the like energy lifted from an ensemble standpoint what did you want to do what would have been your dream role 
I wanted to at 18. At 18, I was called back for um Javert, which is so not like anyone who knows me now knows that like absurd. (laughs) In 20 years, it'll be absurd. (laughs) Yeah, well, yeah, but for no other reason vocally. Exactly. And so, but I was called back for Javert, and I, you know, I was fine. The guy who they ended up casting as, but also Javert is like the antagonist. And while I present a big energy, I'm still very short. And so the guy that they that cast- That doesn't matter. That doesn't hold on, matter. Hold on, pause really quickly. My Now, my question is, did you want to play Javert? Would that have been your choice? No, I had, when we they announced that we were doing Les Mis, I thought I wanted to be Angera. Um oh. she's exactly who I would be, I think now, like as in my current Kirk is that track. It's like an Angera or a Marius. Honestly, right. any of the any of the boys would be a wonderful track to play. But as a senior in high school who was you know, like you work really hard to be the lead in your school right. musical. I was like, no, I should be like, I guess it does make sense that I got ca- called in for Javert. And realistically, um, so the, and I think I had a really great audition. I can't even knock and say that I wasn't good that day. Um, the guy who they cast as Valjean is my really good friend, Steven. And he is so much taller than me that while height is not oh, important, would have gotcha. just been like, that doesn't make sense. Um, and I present, yeah. I know, yeah. I present we big energy, to, but. We need to tell more stories where things like that happen because it's so ridiculous, the prejudices we have about all of that. I mean, it really yeah. is. Because there's yeah. no reason in the world why that couldn't be the case. So, and it's fine. Um, but, so I've always had, so, I, so since I've had this weird, like, uh, like just kind of energy of like that was weird that was such an odd part of my life and I was you know adapting and changing and my world was shifting and I didn't know what I was gonna what was gonna happen anyway um but now since I have like become an adult and I have been able to hindsight is 2020 right like I can look back on that time and see what it actually did grant me and um what how it has made me a better performer is super important. Now, my opinion about the material is that it's so it's so lofty and for there to not be a book makes it even loftier, mm. if that makes sense. I like so desperately want to see a version where people really understand the like text and I can't, you can't judge. I think my high school production was great for 18 and 17 and 18 year olds doing it. Right. But I have yet to see someone I've seen to see a production where like everyone on stage is understanding the material that's being presented to them on like a very specific level. It's hard. It's very hard. It's so hard. But the 25th anniversary concert recording that has oh i think her name is rosalind james i want to say that's her name is she's a black woman and she's playing eponine and she's on that cast recording i Mm. have listened to that cast recording so much in the last five years um because it i think they all comprehend the the sound quality like that like pop sound quality that has to happen in Les Mis for it's a piece that is like classical, right? It's like an older piece. So, but they all get- <laughs> Hardly, but yes, hardly, I know what but, you mean. Yes. But in, in, it's, you know, I it's in not- perspective, yes. Exactly. Um, but they all really get the like pop sound that exists there while also getting the musical theater, warm, rich vowel thing. Um, so I, but I agree. You're, ooh, I agree. Your comment about like it's a pop score, kind of, but also not a pop score, and like kind of, it's so it's so hard to get invested into that show. I think if the people in if 
you are not connected to the people and if the people aren't connected to the material. And so I could understand how originally when you saw it, it it was new. And so it's hard to like really, you know, it's hard to sink your, your, your feet into, but now people have lived with it for. Right. Right. But it's still hard to do because to sing at that level, to sing those principal roles at that level uh, and to act it at the same time, yeah. To really understand playing a text, right? right to really exactly. get like right. and get the nuances and why and I think what really what a lot of people tend to miss, especially with a show like that, is like allowing the score, like the accompaniment, to decide what your tactics are. Mm. If we're not paying attention to like the underlying, like what's happening in the underbelly, then why then I then we end up rushing. I think like a prime example, in my opinion, is like in on my own, which everyone knows that song forwards and backwards. I, I I'm sure you could mention it to like a random stranger on the street yes, and they would be able yes. to tell you like, Oh yeah, that's his thing. She, you have to earn being sad, right? Yeah. Like the character has <laughs> to earn yeah. it. And so a lot, I think what tends to happen, and this is a tangent a little bit, but what happens at the beginning is that we want to immediately go to the heartbroken girl. But if we start there, and it's not really in the music for her to be bro- to be heartbroken, like right no, at the top. No, not at all. Yeah. Have, like you have to hear at the beginning how like she's kind of optimistic. She's not quite sure. She's certainly questioning, but she's not sad. If we start sad, then when we get to uh, when we get to pretending like the big no, right. then I don't care as much because I just watched you be sad for two minutes. It's indulgent, right? It's yeah. just good acting technique. It's, are we yes. are we playing an objective? I mean, that's the acting teacher in me coming out, or are we just indulging our emotions and exactly. indulging our emotions for anyone? I mean, it can be fun on a pop singer because we're just they're just making sound but now we're engaged in a story so if we're going to stop the story and indulge in our emotions it's kind of boring and i'm ahead of it and it feels feels good the actor feels good getting to indulge in their emotions but as a as a watcher you're like i don't care about you that's right that's right welcome to my acting classes every day that's (laughs) that's it right there it's not about you feeling it's about you communicating and striving and whatever it is. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And that's, so that's the hard part. That's the tricky part with that show because it is so sad. Already. Like everyone knows Les Mis is being like sad that you just end up some, you can sometimes end up with people just being self-indulgent. Yeah. It, for... it shouldn't be sad. It's humankind trying to move forward. It also asks you to have some idea of the, the historical political environment right? Yes. It yeah. asks all of those things. It's very difficult. Yeah. And I'm but- glad I saw that first national because I went, oh, that's how it goes. And yes. that's also how the, these 180s happen. Yeah. Right? You see it and you go, oh, I yeah. keep seeing them all the time. You see, well, you see it, it resonates with you in a different light. Someone, somewhere, someone on that casting team, that directing team, that company made you resonate with the play differently. And that's why you got to do a 180 there instead of, so like, you know what I mean? Like there might've been someone who saw that original company and was like, Oh, they were the best thing ever because they resonated with how that story was told. But well, yes, I think that may be the case of the original company, maybe further down the line. I think I saw it too early before it was done. Sure. Sure. I mean, I think, I think that's, that's part of it. Now you may be able to say that about that, the, the, the sit down in Los Angeles. For whatever yeah. reason, that it didn't that, resonate. That did not. That did not yeah. reach me. And that's okay. And like, but yeah, that's exactly that's the beauty of the 180 too is that um, you like, like we were saying before, like what prejudice you had before you got there. Where, like, where your hangups were prior to it, yep. like, or even how, just mood. Yeah, where your what mood were you in? <laughs> I might have been in a bad that. mood when I saw that LA <laughs> thing. Exactly. And so you get to sit down and re- reevaluate and being open to something really shifting right. and having, and yeah. like you getting to have a different opinion about it is great. Um, but yeah, so I, like, this is one of those shows that I struggle with. 
and completely understand. But I, as an adult, like Kirk now in 2022 can look at that show and see that it is not like it was never about me not thinking it was good material. And it was about like the hangups I had with it Um, and learning how like to adapt and change. And like, maybe one day, Maybe one day I will be able to say like, oh, that's a that's one of my favorites. At this current moment, though, it's still one of those shows that I'm like, there's just so much missing that I. Well, I think you haven't seen a first class production yet, and a concert is not the same. Sure, 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 sure. Yeah. I mean, we got we got the movie, and there's yeah. things about that movie that are great, and it just it's a hard. I mean, it's the same problem we're talking about, right? Getting yeah. that level of singing and acting going on at the same time. It's just really hard and then film doesn't help us unless we're filming unless we're doing a hamilton pro shoot yeah then it's a whole different totally then it's a whole different game and it's like yeah where is the elevate yeah so but i uh you know i will always love i've always said this i think and carl you know this is one of my like dreams is that i would love one day for eponine to be played by a boy like i think we're gonna see that i yeah i hope i think that's just i actually would love to see that whole show just like gender bent. Yes, it will. Like all that's on all the road. Of it. Yeah, I think that is the show that really lends itself to that. Because um, like, a, like a, to think of a woman playing Angera and like yep. leading yep. these kids into battle would be so cool. Um, or like the nurturing element that is a, a, a Valjean played by a woman. Like how yep. exciting would that be? Now, you know that not only is this coming, but it's always been because both Greek and Shakespeare, and I know there's other options in the world than those, but they were all, all those women roles were played by men. And yeah. now it's time for the other side, right? Is not yeah, how exciting is this 17, all female 1776 that's coming to, I'm, which is the only way to do that material right now. Cause no matter how else you do it, <laughs> we're in trouble, right? <laughs> Yeah. With this, with what's going on in the world, yes, I. I only, can't want, wait. The, I only want a nurturing female perspective from it right now. So yeah, you're completely right. Oh, and God. you and do you know Crystal Lucas Perry, who's no. going to play John Adams? No. Oh, I've been following her. I played for her at a musical theater factory reading. We did this new piece, the Mars one, uh, One Direction. She was the lead. Do you know anything about this? Mm-mm. Ben Bonema and oh my God, see they ruin it. His Instagram handle is uh, Staskel, Staskel <laughs> Rascal. Anyway, the name's gone. But a uh, brilliant piece about going to the moon. She was the lead in that. She did Bright Room called Day, the Tony Kushner over at. She's been doing a lot of things. Brilliant actress. She's yeah. going to play John Adams. I am there. What's yeah. your third piece you did at 180 on? Okay, so my third piece which I think you might also find a little odd, but it, I think this is as close as I have gotten to like me seeing something and then me coming back to it and being like, oh no, that mm. is actually brilliant. Is <laughs> Hades Town. Oh, no, I get why that's difficult. So I don't know Greek mythology very well, like kind of at all, but everyone was raving about it when it, like when it was downtown and then when it transferred to Broadway, everyone was like, it's the best, it's the best, blah, blah, blah. So I like, it was like, okay, cool. I asked, I think I asked, I think I asked Ronnie if I should listen to it before we go. And he was like, yeah, you might want to give it a, just like a quick listen if you like don't know anything about it. And I was like, okay. So I listened to that original cat, that like, her, original recording. Her concept album or the one no, from Fourth Street? the one from. Fourth uh, Street, New York Fourth Theater Street. Workshop. Yes. The one from Fourth Street. So I listened to it and I was like, I mean, this seems very confusing. I don't really understand what's happening still. I'm, I was very confused. You're well, not that, alone. Great. Good. I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm, I was like, maybe I'm, maybe it's just too, like, I was really worried that maybe it was too, uh, he- like weighty for me. And I was just like missing something. No, I was like, no. I'm not getting the joke, but so then we saw it on Broadway. That was a part of my see everything nominated for right. musical extravaganza. <laughs> Um, which was amazing. And I paid, we did not pay as, as much money as I thought I was going to pay for those tickets, but it was still oh. a lot of money. Um, but, and we, but we had like great seats in the mezzanine and we were like maybe two rows back from the front mez. I could see everything so clearly when the lights, when the lights, when they do that, 
the light thing at the end of act one and they like fly over the audience mm. i was just like mesmerized but i will have to admit i was still like i don't really know what's happening like mm. i understand that she chose like she chose to go to ha- like follow hades down and now he's gonna like travel to get her but like why do we care about them and like what's the emotion mm. like i was so confused we get to the end of the show and I obviously did not, I obviously did not know how it ended. And I guess I won't wow. spoil it for people if you still haven't seen it or don't know anything about it. But I was like, then, so we get, you get to the end of the show and I was sh- like shocked at how it ended. Like gobsmacked. I was like, then what did I just do for the last two hours? Like, that's not what I thought this was going to be. I, my only real like concept <laughs> of Greek mythology is gonna and silly as this may sound is like hercules at this point was like that's oh. mythology but that is my but like the disney version like let's not get crazy like i thought it was it's gonna still be like, greek mythology it's just but that hercules. ends but that ends in a positive there's like a weird there was a positive ending there so i was like yeah. oh this will be a positive ending and blah 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 and ronnie looks at me when when we're like walking home we're talking about it and he goes well they tell you how it ends at the very beginning and i was like dude Oh, do they? And so then I like let like it Romeo read. and Juliet. Exactly. They tell you it's up front, it's gonna be right. bad. So I so I let it breathe and I like didn't think about it for a couple of for so like so I didn't like touch the cast recording again for a month, whatever. I was very like I don't will let it be. I then a month later, like went back to listen to it on my of my own choosing, and I was like, and now I have a backstory. I kind of know pieces, parts. I know like the overall like thought, mm. and I was like, okay, I'm gonna give it another try. And sat, I like turned it on at the gym, and mm. I had to leave because I was so emotional. Right. I got like so caught up in all of it, and was like, mm. oh, this was really, this is this is brilliant. This is like other level. Yeah, because. It, I mean, it's all there. It's all there. Yeah. And I, it, they really do kind of lay it out for you. But if you don't get... Oh, they don't lay it out for you. No, I think they it's do. Not if you Disney. get, if you... No, well, it's, when I say lay it out for you, I mean, like, if you understand the Greek, if you knew the Greek mythology before you got there, then it's all there. It's all very apparent. But if you are clueless... If you knew the Greek mythology going in, you would be just as confused because they are level... Because now they're putting in the whole capitalism thing, the whole selling out your soul, the money, all of that stuff, the railroad. None of that's in the the original. So they've got... They're telling a lot of different stories. There are so many layers. Yeah. I was like, I don't know if... So I, I didn't get it, but now... It's one of my favorite things. It's one of my favorite things to put on and I can listen from start to finish and like just get caught up in the sound and the music and the like even and i i think on that cast recording they are still telling quite a brilliant story through their voices like oh i think they're doing such a good well not a, like sometimes cast recordings are meant to sound like pop albums or like albums they're meant to be played like an album this cast recording is meant like in my opinion is meant to be played like the story like which one just Hey, there's now. three. Oh, this most recent. I listened to the original Broadway cast. Album. Well, now go back and oh. listen to Fourth Street again. I, I much prefer Fourth that. Street. The reason, the main reason I prefer Fourth Street is Damon. How do you say his last name? Oh, I have no idea. I know who you're talking about the guy from Oklahoma. It's either Olivo or Quinto. I'm <laughs> These are two names that I always mispronounce. I don't know how to say is if it's Dauno, Duano, I've heard recently. Okay. His vocal on that Orpheus is mm. to me what that's supposed to be. Now, Reeve does a magnificent job and he's a great actor. Yeah. But can you imagine that when we saw it over on Forest Street, we were in the round and it was it wasn't acoustic, but you thought it was acoustic? And yeah. I don't think, I think the Andre de Shields character was kind of combined maybe with the Hades mm. character. Um, okay. I could be totally wrong on that, but it was a small group of people. So you didn't have the workers. I mean, the fates were there. Yeah. Oh my God. It was like, um, I, it was like porn. It was <laughs> pure porn. That's what I yeah. want to say. Yeah. The sounds, 
the singers and that Damon. I mean, and he's supposed to be Orpheus. Orpheus drew trees, right? He made the trees and the rocks cry with the beauty of his son. Well, that's was that boy. Now Reeve has that in in Philadelphia when I just saw my friend in it. Um, the sound was great, and that's a big old like an opera hall. Yeah, so yeah, it yeah. was very the miking was light, and you could really appreciate the sound. But yeah, so at Forest Street, I said, "Well, this is never going to Broadway because it's too smart. I can barely follow what's going on." She's got a great book. Anais Mitchell, who I've seen live in in concert, sing some of these songs. She's got a great book about her process writing the lyrics, and uh, I highly recommend it. Okay, it's super interesting. You know, Sondheim is that ha- we have to have perfect rhymes. Well, yes. now you have someone like Lynn Manuel who sits on the pop side of things, and she talks about that in a way that's beautiful. But the but the whole thing, and it is clear. The Broadway's way clearer. You can watch that show, and I suggest you keep watching it over and over. Yeah. Uh, there's so, it's, I mean, it's like Hamilton, all the little details put into the movement. It's just, it's extraordinary. And that yeah. people like it and that it won those awards. Most people are not going to get half of what's going on, but who cares? The music, the music kind of carries it. Yeah, it has to. It's like it lit, but it, it, yes, easily the music carries you mm. all the way through the end. So, yeah. and every voice on that stage is like Oof. so incredible. I just yeah. So it was it was maybe the first time that I left a musical and was like, I think I was, I think I liked that, but I don't, <laughs> but I don't really understand what just happened. So I need to like process. And I, my friend, I have a friend who is the. Uh, associate company manager on the Hades Town tour, and so I've been like trying to plan a time where I'm going to go visit him on the road and see the show. Right. I've also heard that the this tour version is it's very different. Very different. It's just it is it's a different incarnate. It's like similar but not the same in all of the best ways uh, from the Broadway production, which is great. I kind of love that that's a show, and it, this seems to have become a show. Hades Town has seemed to become a show that the best person for the job is going to get the job. And so we're not carbon copies of each other. We're just, (laughs) we're telling the story. And if you, if you resonate, if the character resonates through you, then you're, you're going to get the work and that's what matters. Right. Right. Um, So I'm excited. I heard the cast is brilliant on tour. Yeah. They're, they're great. It's funny. um, Because after you've seen Andre de Shields, well, you saw him. Yeah, right? I saw Andre. Had oh you god. ever seen him in anything else? No. Oh my god, no. And I was like, this is a lot. Power, who's hot? What's happening? He's so I mean the oh, You energy had no that, idea. Yeah, zero. I like knew of him. I like knew, you know, like I knew he was the wizard and like all of that kind of stuff. But I was like, I don't really understand it. He <laughs> is I he's what I hope to be when I'm his age. Like in my wow. dream, in my <laughs> dream, I somehow age gracefully to be that man. <laughs> you're you're going to be just fine as you. You don't need to be him. That's very uh-huh. kind. I would be happier as him, I promise. No, no. I mean, why? Why when you're you? Listen to him. He's on several, he's interviewed all over the place. Mm-hmm. And he actually, I mean... That man, talk about brilliant. He has a mind like, I mean, he's just, just yeah. extraordinary, intellectual. Um, yeah, take in, take in some of that madness. Now, the thing is, though, after you've seen him and the guy on the tour, he's a star. He won a Tony Award for, for something. Million Dollar Quartet. Yeah, but... Yeah. After you got Andre De Shields, it's like when I went to see that. Uh, did you see the Pippin revival? No, no, but I know what I know. Mm-hmm. Well, so had you had you ever seen Ben Vereen? Hold on, hold please. <laughs> Lovely thought. So, have you? You'd never seen Ben Vereen? No. They're they couldn't be more different, right? Uh, but there's a similarity just in terms of. <laughs> This enormous energy. They just have and a presence. They have a presence and the thing that they're known for. And when I went to see, and I would never have gone to see it, I tend to not want to see revivals if I've seen the original. 
And especially if the original has a big impact on me, I'm like, we're not going to get close. I have that. I want to keep that. I'm learning to revisit that because a couple of times I've been coaxed and really liked it. Most of the time I'm like, okay, we don't know what this is. I don't want to see this, but I have to keep my mind open. But I sat down for that revival and the spotlight went on Patina Miller and she opened her mouth and I went, okay, genius. Because now I no longer, I don't have to get rid of Ben Vereen. I got Patina Miller. Mm-hmm. I don't know what we're going to do after that. But <laughs> and I'm sure, I'm sure whoever, I'm sure many spectacular people replaced her. But it's like, and I'm not the biggest Alan. Alan Cumming is great, but he's not on my top list of my, but I got to give him credit with the MC. He took the Joel Gray version and I love the Joel Gray version. He smashed it and he says, here's me. This so now version, we have people yeah. doing of doing imitations of Alan Cumming. No, we don't. There's there's plenty of the other. Yeah. But there is something to be said for the person who breaks it and says. But I feel like that is what uh, in the last, I guess in the last two or three years in the industry, we have kind of welcomed yes. people. Even, even in replacing characters, we have welcomed this concept of like, no, I, we understand that this is how it was originally done, but I want you to now take it and make it yours. And so that if this ver- if this person laughs differently, all of a sudden that's okay. Like, I don't yes. know if we were doing that when I was in college. It was about like really trying to manifest who you already look like and can, yes. and can mimic and just like, so that you can fall into line behind them. Yep. And now we're really looking typing. for people. Yeah, typing, which I, ugh. Um, And I understand how and why it's necessary at the collegiate level, because you are trying to prepare children to, you're trying to prepare children to work. Like you want how many, like on a, on a school level, it's like how many people can you get working at one time so that your school is reputable, which is. Well, look at what you just said. Not how many artists can I create that will leave satisfying lives Yes, we're on the yes. same page. Uh-huh. Yeah. And now I think we're kind of re- we're we're getting back to creating artists again and creating well. people. Hopefully, hopefully. We're I like- don't know if that's happening, but we've had enough of a social reckoning that enough people are saying no. We're and we're I- done with that. We don't want that anymore. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, but that's what. That I mean, Hades Town has really become one of my favorites, uh, and has really like shifted the way I think musical theater should be done, for sure. Yeah, yeah. and it was always diverse. Yeah, it was diverse on Fourth Street. I don't know if it was diverse in the first albums, but we're it's we're getting been yes, so. yes. It lends itself so well to all of that. Yeah, yeah it's great. oh, I hope. I, 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 I do hope you get to see the national tour because there's oh, I will. great stuff in there. I think yeah, they're yeah, leaving yeah. the East Coast now. I just saw my friend there. I know they're going to uh, Los Angeles for a month and San Francisco for a month. And I think that's my plan is to go visit my friend David oh. when he's in L.A. Yes. Because like, why not? I don't I don't have anything else do, to do. Like unless magically I'm, you know, unless Broadway calls tomorrow. I'm like, I could go visit you for a week and just like hang out. It'll be fun. And if you have to come home on the third day to go to, on Broadway, you'll come right. home. Then I will come home. But I was like, that yeah. sounds like a good idea. Um, but so, what's your third one? What's your or your third and the last of the the last one? Well, I'm giving an honorable mention to something we've spoken of before, which I don't want to leave out. But I think I think now is probably a good time to leave out. One of my 180s was when I was hired to do a production of Showboat. But I think Showboat presents us so many problems right now that I am neither the spokesman for or the um, the bearer of <laughs> promotion. That I'm that I, I do want to leave that there as something that I think the world is going to be. I mean, it is the beginning of sophisticated musical theater in the United States, and it brought together a lot of elements, and it has a social message and. I saw a production when I was very young that was truncated and I thought that it was truncated. And then I was in a production that was not truncated. That was its full three hour version, untouched, simply presented. And I thought it was a brilliant piece of work. Um, But beyond that, I want to talk about Stephen Sondheim's Roadshow. 
Did you ever hear the the record Bounce? I've I know what it is and I've heard parts of it, but I don't know it super well. I remember when that came out because that's our last big Sondheim album that came out and it came out in the early 2000s and I remember getting it and you got to remember that from the, well, you don't have to do anything. You are free. <laughs> but from the time I could drive, I fell in love with straight plays mm-hmm. and musicals were something that I explored a little bit here and there if I thought something was, and of course I was auditioning for them and performing in them. And if I needed to do, I would do the research. And as a coach, I tried to see the important things, but in general, that was not my focus. And about three years ago, I found a podcast, the, the, uh, behind the curtain, Broadway's living legends, my friends, Rob Schneider and Kevin David Thomas do it and kind of opened up a world of things that I've been, that I've been exploring a lot in the last three years. But it says something that in the early 2000s that I was even aware that Sondheim had released a new album. I was like, oh, my God. And I played it over and over. And it was hard. It's very hard to tell from the album what it's about. Mm-hmm. And But it's it's Sondheim, right? And it's so interesting. And there's so many interesting voices on it. And then it finally, many years later, I think it, if if Bounce was 2004 and it had already been in Chicago and it, then it played um, um, Washington, I think I want to say it was the early 2010, 2012, 2011, right. somewhere in yeah. there it was at the public. Yeah. And look, I'm going to confess, I sat and you could get you could get tickets easily. And I sat there watching this show and it was very well done. And I had friends in it and Michael Cerverus was in it. And it uh-huh. was very, very well done. And I remember having the thought, how can I be sitting at a Sondheim musical and be bored? And maybe, maybe I was just in a bad mood. Yeah. But I don't know. It didn't, it didn't speak to me. I didn't understand why we were telling the story. I got it. I followed what was happening. Uh, it's a, I, just to give you a little background on these two, these two brothers. Um, and it was a very famous story from the early part of the 20th century. And Irving Berlin had wanted to tell their story, the Meisner brothers. And one was kind of, a uh, a crook criminal, uh, um, shyster. There's a, there's a better word than any of those, but you get the idea. And then his brother, which is the Richard kind, I think it was originally Nathan Lane. The show was called wise guys. It was called wise guys, then bounce. And then finally Roadshow. Roadshow. Um, and they were all over the place. They were in Alaska and they had all these business enterprises together as this, you're got, you're not kind of sure. Maybe there's some funny business going on between these brothers. That's a little more than brotherly love. If you know what I mean. And that has stayed into the end. And then they end up in Boca Raton and they finally have something that works. And the one brother has an affair with a, with a guy and what happens to that? I mean, it seems such crazy material. Why was Irving Berlin interested? Why was Stephen Sondheim interested? Well then, and then I can kind of take you back through what I, what I learned from all this. The encores did it with Raul Esparza and Brandon Uranowitz as I know sublime as the, as the, as the brothers. But I think now having seen, there is a filmed version of the, the Washington bounce where you can see bounce, which I actually really, really like. Um, it's Howard, Howard McGillan and um, Richard kind who are great. And there's some other people. Do you know who Jane Powell is? Does that name mean anything to you? Mm, no. Did you ever see? And why would you, there's an old movie musical called seven brides for seven brothers. I know what it is, but I can't say I've ever seen it. It's okay. The dancing's fun. The music's fun. It's what it is. It's an MGM yeah. swashbuckler that they're a bunch of, you know, um, minors, log rollers, whatever they are out in the the country. And the dancing's great fun. Jane Powell, she was a typical MGM. She sang beautifully and she did Broadway work, Uh, but she's mostly known as a typical um, ingenue of the period. You would see her as, I mean, she didn't play these, but like Cinderella or Sleeping Beauty, she had that kind of voice, very pretty, pretty soprano. Well, she plays the mother in this version of Bounce. Now I liked it. It wasn't done yet, very much along the lines of um, the Les Mis, the original Les Mis. Um, 
but it was said, and I know this because you can get a you can get an audio recording uh, from Wise Guys with Victor Garber and Nathan Lane and a bunch of other stars in it. And the original idea behind it was that it was kind of a vaudeville show, and the the, the because they're the teens and the twenties and the thirties. Um, so it has that kind of old timey feel and they yeah. even choreographed some abounce in Washington that way. And it all made sense. But when I saw it on, when I saw it at the public, it was very dark and it was about being on the road and it was all kind of brown colors and it was told and it was still there and it was fine. But when I saw this encores version, they did it like an old radio show. And even though there weren't a whole lot in the way of sets, and you can go crazy with sets, right? You're in Alaska and you're in yeah. Boca Raton and there's other exotic places that they visit along the way. But somehow in that format, I got so invested in the story and there's a there's a gay love affair when he has his boyfriend that's in, that's in Boca Raton. It was so moving to me. And I thought it was such an, I mean, I never had a prejudice against it. If anything, I had a prejudice towards it that I really wanted to like wanted it. Wanted to like it, yeah. And shocked that I just wasn't that connected to the public. And I can't have been alone. Those tickets were on TDF. It didn't play. It didn't tra- This is a Sondheim show. Yeah. Although I do think there's another chapter that we can talk about in the whole Sondheim thing about in his last 30 years where he should have been in his prime. A lot of people, a lot of composers, look at Stephen Schwartz, the beautiful stuff he's writing in his sixties and seventies. Yeah. You know, I think he received so much critical negativity. It kind of shut him down and he spent his life writing a show that as far as I can see the, the original bounce version was so close. It just needed the time and space to grow and people to allow it to grow rather than shut it down. But it's kind of ended one of the top of the canon for me. Yeah. I mean, and it's, it's, I say to that, like, what happens when you give so much praise to someone so young and expect so much of them and like how that affects, how that affects your growth and like what, what that can do to you mentally and yada, yada, yada. So I agree. All of us in all of the things. I mean, you and I are going to see it through an artist's point of view. Right. But, you know whether you want to talk about Britney Spears or whatever. And I realize that Britney Spears is not (laughs) Stephen Sondheim, but nonetheless, what is this pressure that we're putting on all these people and, you know, micromanaging each and and judging each little detail when what we really need is the people that are going to pull us forward and give us new ideas and maybe we won't like them the first time out. And that's okay. What happens if we, if like, you know, your favorite doesn't do it exactly the way you thought they were going to do it. What happens if you just like allow the growth to exist in them? Because just like you, they're changing. What happens if we do that? I don't, I mean, it's crazy. It is. Maybe maybe there's something outside of the economic model that can shift to allow that because it didn't used to be so crazy. Right. It but, really didn't cost that much money to see the Broadway show or the or the local show to see the, the season. Well, the season tickets for my friend's company are like forty five dollars. And I'm sure most of that is going to the actors. You're not looking yeah. at the set and saying that's where that went or you're not looking at the producer and sure. you're the actors. Oh, are, so the actors. that's right. But even that is hard that's expensive you're i mean especially if you're like a kid whose family doesn't want to go with you or you know what i mean like that's not that's not thank you yeah you're you're a 20 year old barely surviving in new york (laughs) and you're like trying to see shows you're like that's not that you're not incorrect um and you have to see shows you really that's a part of it you that is a part of the craft if you're not seeing things Yep. Then you're not. Then you're stunting your own growth. It becomes a whole thing. And yeah, yep. I, I agree. You have to see them. Um, you have to make time for them in a way that is hard, especially when you're like, I have to pay my bills tomorrow, but I, but like, I need to see this show because it's gonna close in a week if I don't, and blah blah blah. So, I agree. Right. I completely agree. Um, well, I'm excited to go back and listen to. Um, Roadshow, because we have talked about this before, like just the two of us. And I, I mean, Rose Sparza is one of my favorite people on the planet. So I like need to find, I feel like there has to be a, a there is somewhere or a, a, a copy. Yeah. But I would send you back to Bounce. 
Okay. The roadshow recording is just fine, but I don't bounce. I just love that recording. Great. And notice how different it is. I mean, look at the difference. Are you are you hip to all the differences between the all the merrily we roll alongs? Like the the way they're told, right? Like it, like the original was like they're like actual kids, and then well, yeah, but the lyrics are different, and there's new songs. Oh, I mean, I don't think I ever his, noticed that. Oh my God, he has spent his life rewriting that show, which I think honestly was. Not that I don't love some of the new songs and places that it went, but a total waste of time. Because to me, that maybe that first production wasn't perfect. Yeah. But and how Prince all you do 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 you know all this? How Prince felt so bad? Yeah. Because he felt yes. he let them down. Yeah. Now to me, when you look at it, when you watch those bootlegs of the original, there I guess there are two famous ones, and one is in the previews, but another one is right before they close. And yes, there's audience walking out, but there's also audience loving it. And yeah, I think there were better staging choices. It was very dancey to begin with, which what did that have to do with anything? Why is there? Why do we? The first act ends with a dance, and for the most part, they're non-dancers. You know who the cast is, right? right? This yeah. is not. It, it, that was a strange thing. But other than that, oh my God, to see Lonnie Price sing, uh, uh, the the the. What's the big famous one at the beginning where they're on TV, which is lovely. Uh, um, Franklin Shepard. Franklin Inc. Shepard Inc. But to hear him sing "Good Thing Going" and uh, I mean all of them, Jim Walton, Ann Morrison, all those people. My God, some of yes. this. There's just gem after gem on that stage. But you know they were just ripped to pieces. Raked through that. the coals. Yeah, it makes no sense to me. I listen that the Merrily that I listen to primarily is the Encores production that happened oh, with Lynn, Lynn and Celia. Um, Celia can you, yeah. It's, I mean, Betsy Wolf. It's just, yeah. it's chock full of like, I would, I would call them like contemporary heavyweights. Like they are people yes, who absolutely. Like hold weight now in the industry. And I, yeah, I agree. Except look who you're leaving out of that. And he's great. And I believe his, I'm going to get it wrong. But I want to say his name is Conlon Hanlon or something like that. Who plays the lead? Oh, who plays Frank? His name is Colin. Colin. Something. Colin. Something. something. He's married to Patty Mirren. Yeah. He's got a child. Yeah. yeah. He's like a TV star too. He's like on like a, like, or was, I don't know if he still is, but he was on like a TV uh, hospital drama for a while. Yes. Yes. And that and was he- like his... I believe that's him in there playing the piano as well. And that's a beautiful moment that they oh, wrote for him. I didn't know that. Um, that's cool. Yeah, I think so. It's it's hard to tell. Yeah, it's a lovely uh it's a lovely version. But I still think Harold Prince's genius was because that story is so horrible. Have you seen it? Have you tracked the book all the way through? Yeah. No, I've seen it. We yes, I've seen it. Oh my god, it's so depressing. And the yeah. only thing that takes away that knife is the fact that it's young people and it's a it's a tale told because it comes out of their graduation it's a it's a cautionary tale not the truth and my favorite of all the the versions that i've seen is again one in washington and i don't really know what the conceit is at the beginning but they start that that opening song and it looks like a bunch of different groups of musical theater writers telling a story of their master that they love about, you know, the art they're yeah. going to create. And that also kind of helps take off some of the sting because man, it's a depressing. Yes. And you, yeah. Oh God. It's so Oof. hard to get through. Oh God. And hard to it. like them. So yeah. hard to like them. And when it's kids playing a part, even though they weren't, I mean, they weren't really kids, kids. Yeah. but they were young people. They were young. And that overture, you know, that's to me the element of bounce that got lost when it got to a road show. It got so heavy. And okay. then it needed that vaudeville radio something sure, back sure, in it sure, to, sure. to give it the to give us the energy to get through. Some separation. All that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because you have to Yeah. No, I agree. That makes sense. Well, I'm I'm excited to like to go back and listen to it again. I have it. Um yeah, so lovely. that'll be good. Now I want to hear from some of our listeners. Absolutely. Things, 
And for me, from the old person's perspective, I would love to know about older shows that get so, get so poo-pooed and put away, but that, but that young people love and find some relevance in, no matter what that is. Oh, Carl, I could do a whole podcast on that alone. Well, let's... Well, maybe that's our next thing. And maybe yeah. we ask for some guests. Can't wait to hear what people have to say, like yes. about the golden age things of it all. So, yeah. yeah. But this has been another episode of Fill Me In. I'm Kirk Liddell. I'm Carl Danielson. Can we, and we're going to say our shout out to. Oh, John Paul, Jean Paul Yovanoff, musicaltheaterradio.com. Thank you so much for playing us. Yeah, we love to be here every Tuesday. What's our Twitter handle if people want to get a hold of us? If you want to find us, you can find us at Fill Me In The Pod, both on Twitter and Instagram. That's Fill Me In The Pod. Woo! Great. We'll see you soon. Bye. Bye. We want to shout out John Paul Yovanoff uh, and MusicalTheaterRadio.com uh, for presenting our podcast. It's 24 hours a day of classic and new works, famous and obscure. And it really is for the musical theater lover. Because a lot of people put on serious Broadway or Broadway serious, whatever it is in their car, which is great. And I do that. And it tends to be the most famous things. But if you're the person that wants to hear something other than Dear Evan Hansen and Phantom and no shade to them, but there is everything on there. Plus, they play my music, which is super exciting. If you haven't listened to Carl's music, I say you should do it right now. Stop what you're doing. Go listen to it. All right, you guys, yeah. see you next time. See you next time. Thanks for listening to the pod. We want you to fill us in. We want to use this podcast as a conversation starter to learn what you think about the different topics that we take on. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at fill me in the pod. That's fill me in the pod. Woo. And we want to give a shout out to our artist Sloan, who made the beautiful design of Kirk and my face. <laughs> and our podcast was edited by Nicholas Clark. Nicholas Clark. Till next time. Bye.